What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of the No Grey Areas podcast with myself, Lewis. And myself, Denny. And uh, today is another one of our uh, Skype slash long distance slash technological whatever. Social distancing podcasting. This is it. Stay safe, stay home. And uh, you, you got a new bit of kit then. Talk talk to me about uh, this. What yeah, is this yeah. thing you, you're using? So we got this new piece of kit. It's by Rode, who are a uh, professional, a professional um, sound equipment maker. So we're using one of their decks. It's the Rodecaster Pro. Um, we only get the Pro shit. Um, and it's basically like, it just makes podcasting so much easier. You've got like your full equalize equalizing deck and everything on there you've got controls with it in different inputs you can hook the phone up to it an additional usb you can record you can do loads of sound effects all of that kind of stuff so it's pretty cool i won't, I won't uh use the sound effects yet you've got like clapping and all the other stuff that all oh. built in yeah so you know you might get a clap if you say something smart well, well i'm definitely not going to get a clap then <laughs> Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, what have you been doing during your time on lockdown? Um, so work hasn't stopped or slowed. Um, as mentioned before, like my work can be done 100% from, from home. Um, in fact, it's been really busy. This week's been really busy. I actually had to pull a 24-hour, like an all-nighter, to get some work done. Um, and next week's going to be busy. Um that's about it really i've started uh getting into a bit of a workout routine doing like a bit of a 5k trying to get in shape 5k every other day um Damn. yeah so by the time uh this this uh covid quarantine's over i'm gonna be in shape that's the plan anyway that's the plan beautiful bro what that's what i like obviously i've been uh, i've been giving away some of my some of my equipment he came, so, so for those listening, Denny came around to my house the other day and uh, he, he just wanted to see like if I had some spare gear he could grab. This he's motherfucker he's, he's, he's was like trying to not come in my house, trying to not walk through, trying to just like keep his distance as if I had fucking you Ebola. You me coughing now. I'm flipping mm. that cough off him. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm good. Yeah, I fucking hope so. But yeah, so you got, you got that nice little dumbbell. How's that dumbbell sorting you out? Yeah, it's good. Right. It's good. Yeah, yeah. The uh, 16K kettlebell's good as well. So I'm, I'm trying to do basically the 5K run and then on the, on the day, as I said, every other day and on the days in between doing like a weights and a, um, press ups, like basically mainly body weight, but also using that kettlebell. Nice, nice. Mm. I've, um, I've become a bit conscious recently, right? So when, whenever I start back on like weight training, I'm, I've got quite, I'm, I'm quite fortunate to have good genetics my chest gets really defined really quickly. Mm. Um, so whenever I work out chest, like my chest gets, looks decent. Um, and I've been doing these online classes and I find that especially if I'm wearing my uniform, I lean forward to like talk to people down the camera and I can just see this like cleavage line and it distracts me. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is not appropriate for kids, man. I need to like find some different angle to stand at. But yeah, the only other thing I've been doing other than training, losing a bit of weight, gaining a bit of muscle, is home haircut, son. I'm going to show you this. Obviously, for you guys listening, um, you, you're not going to be able to see, fortunately. But this is the this is the home job that I did. 
You see that, Dan? That's a nice line, you know. That, yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's not bad, isn't it? That's not bad at all. But you know what? If you see the back of my hair, you'll be like, "Oh, oh, okay." A blind man attacked you <laughs> with a razor. <laughs> um, but now, man, it's, it it took a while, but okay. we we made it. <clears throat> see, so, yeah, I can. The thing is, when you try and do something like that you come to appreciate the like higher level of skill that people have in jobs that you would otherwise take for granted. Yeah, definitely. I've tried to cut my hair a few times. I've totally given up. Totally yeah, even given up. Um, like when I first started washing my car, I was like, Psh, this is piss. You can wash your own car, no problem. And then you'd finish washing it and be like, oh, look, there's a cap there where I've just not touched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of standard. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. So you're not doing, you're not doing the... Um the what's it what's that challenge everyone's doing where they're shaving their heads off oh, fuck that bruv i have a <laughs> i have a large i have like a one inch square bald patch on the back of my head from where i was born a oh, little shit. birthmark thing hell no i'm not revealing that <laughs> normally if, if i get a haircut and it's like a little bit short and you can see the scar my students especially the long the younger ones they're like coach what happened to your head what is that? You got this big thing there. Oh my god, it's gross. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna walk around with that sticking out. Hell no. Well, you're in quarantine, isn't it? No one's gonna see it. Bro, I'm not fully in quarantine because the the center that I help run, they um, uh, they rent out to the blood bank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the blood bank are they're actually calling up and, and making more bookings. I was gonna say I've been I've been seeing a few people donating blood. How is it working? Like how are they keeping quarantine like the distance and all of that while they're doing this? So what they were doing at the place where I'm at is the majority of people were turning up by car. Right. And and they would just like when they arrived, there'd be someone there to say, Right, you just sit in your car until we call you through. Okay. And that way they're the thing is, it seems a little bit silly because obviously when you go to give blood, someone has to stick a needle in your arm, right? Yeah. So they're, they're coming in close proximity with you. And then let's say if you had it and you infected them, they will infect every other person that they see that day. Mm. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're doing that the safest way. The thing is, though, ultimately, we still need people donating blood. Yeah. There are there are still people getting sick and dying of things other than coronavirus. Yeah, I think that's the thing everyone forgets, isn't it? Like every other illness has kind of been put on hold. Like yeah, like, like HIV's like oh shit no you know what I I I I let you you do your thing COVID I'm gonna go take a break somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. He's, he's killing everyone. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, obviously there's a we'll get into it on another ep on on our next episode about the the conspiracies and stuff yeah, about yeah. all that. Um, but yeah, so f for today, uh, I wanted to, to talk about money. Okay, just before we do that, I think we just Go need on. to say, because I think at the end of the last podcast, I did announce that this one would be one where we'll allow everyone to kind of like just log in, log in and out at their leisure and, and, and chime in. But we're obviously not doing that. Part of the reason is because we've had a, quite a few requests to talk we're about finance and second reason is the next episode this is episode 49 the next episode is 50 that's like an anniversary thing so we might as well do something special and invite as many guests on as possible so i thought that would be pretty cool as well for, oh, the, 50th, yeah. for the 50th one 
fair enough. Um, also, there's uh, we we are also full of shit, so you know, don't take anything that we say seriously. Oh mate, I'm, um, I, I really want to wind some people up. If we do conspiracies next time, <laughs> if I can get certain people on, like I want to do a good mix of facts and trolling. <laughs> <laughs> because some okay. of it is just too ridiculous to be able to take seriously <laughs> I, I can imagine bro. I can imagine um, I'm just trying to see if I can get my bloody obviously Apple everything's supposed to be interconnected and I've got you on my MacBook um, oh do I have all my notes so I've I've made I've made a lot of notes for today's episode <clears throat> I also messaged a, a few people who had actually asked me previously people that listened to the podcast that had asked me um to they they listened to the episode that we did previously with Lamin. Oh, yeah. where we spoke about we spoke about money a little bit on that episode. Yeah. Well quite a lot on that episode actually. But this is this is gonna be a kind of a very detailed breakdown of everything you really need to know about money. Mm-hmm. Um to remind people of my background. Um so I was actually working in B and Q selling kitchens. Um, when I got offered the opportunity to go for an interview with Lloyd's Banking Group. And it, and it was just predominantly based on the fact that I had a good sales record. That was pretty much it. Um, Second-hand I, I cars. offered the job. Hmm? Second-hand cars. <laughs> no, no, not quite. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so they, they offered me the job. Uh, but before uh, I could obviously go into this uh, world of like selling people investments and sorting out pensions and savings, all this stuff like holistic financial planning. Um, I had to get trained on what to actually what to actually know because I knew fuck all about money, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, when I first started working in banking, I had like, I think about 300 quid to my name uh, and I had a loan and a credit card and I had like no history ever of saving. Um, grew up in a council house where no one else saved money either. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a big thing. In fact, actually, before I left the company, I just had a look at how much money they spent during my time training, and it was like I think it was seventy or eighty grand. Um, wow. So it's that's a, a good amount of money that they invested in me. Yeah. Uh, misplaced investment as well because I was only there three years. <laughs> Um, can i can can i just add something quickly with what you just mentioned with regards to um growing up in a a council house so similar situation for myself and i think this is a really important thing just to emphasize um if your parents don't save or aren't financially savvy chances are their kids ain't gonna grandkids are gonna and it's it's a repeating pattern um one of the things i'm really kind of passionate about and hopefully we can kind of get across in this episode and people if people can take it on is sort of breaking that um that chain basically and it's sometimes sometimes like you might not do something as a parent but you can still get your child to or put your child in in a position to like i don't play the piano but I can make sure I can get my daughter piano lessons if I can afford it. Obviously, if people can afford things, but um, I couldn't swim. So I made sure, this is with a personal one, I made sure my daughter um, done swimming lessons from a very, very, very young age. And obviously some of those things cost money, but with access to the internet, um, 
that you can get a lot of financial things like particularly with people being at home right now um, and some people homeschooling their kids add finance into maths um because it, it it helps um it helps it's a huge huge benefit like a lot of the information the stuff we're talking about like lewis has, has just said um as you've just said so i'm kind of talking to you audience right now um he got that at working age he got that he got that knowledge at working age he just said he hadn't saved if he had that at a much younger age he would have already been saving not necessarily to say he would have the knowledge that he got in the banking industry but he still would have been a bit more financially savvy exactly the same thing for me like some of the probably late 20s late 30s and a lot of it in fact from yourself from from when you were working um in finance and you just saying a few things to me and me sort of building on on that but if it's one of those things like if you can get that into your kids from a younger age and just start getting them to even basic finance um it's a huge huge benefit and just before i finish this little rant um as an example and this is a good one you can do um with kids for maths if you look up the rule of 72 um it's a it it, it will take about five minutes it's not the most straightforward but it's not complicated um and it's basically a kind of average a kind of roundabout way to work out how long um it takes to get a full return on your investment and it includes the compound it's something i can't even remember the calculation off the top of my head but it's quite a straightforward one um and you can get your kids to to learn that and then straight away it's just one of those things as soon as they've got it they walk into a bank they walk into any sort of situation someone says something they can work out the compound in the interest straight away they can work out the um how long it's going to take for them to get 100 percent back of any investment put in so just saying good opportunity at the moment we're teaching our kids at home we're homeschooling we're doing maths whack a bit of finance in there it's still all numbers at the end of the day and um yeah give them that advantage yeah i think um i think there's a there's almost like a, a cultural thing where we don't want to tell our kids how much things cost in our own home okay um, yeah yeah it's true like my my parents, they they would say, "Oh, you can't have that. I can't afford it." But they would never say, "Okay, listen. This is how much I earn. These are our outgoings. Now, tell me how you think I can afford to buy you that thing that you want." If they'd have said that to me when I was a kid, like even at the age of like let's say ten, eleven, twelve, is that's basic maths, right? Yeah. You, know, you you start off with fifteen hundred quid. All your outgoings. This is what you got left. Okay, how are we going to pay for this? If my parents did that to me, number one, I'd I would have a a decent foundation point to start with for like, okay, this is how you budget. Yeah. And number two, I would have been a lot more understanding when my parents said to me, No, you can't have that. Because when they say no, I can't afford it, a kid hears that and it's like, Oh, you just give me an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. 100%. But if you say, Okay, tell me how we can afford it, then then you're like put in a position where you have to act like exercise your mind. Um and even like try and try and think away so you could be like okay well i, I want to get that still maybe i can i can do some housework and you know you can afford to pay me this much each month maybe in two or three months i can do it and that way we're good yeah and your parents may very well well do that um yeah i think hopefully as as we go through this episode if you um if you you're listening and you find any of this stuff interesting which hopefully you will um just do do us a favor guys copy the link 
post it on your social media, let other people know. Because the other thing as well is that like working in banking, a lot of the clients that I saw would be hesitant to invest because everyone knows someone who's got a sob story about investing. People that do well out of investing generally are a bit more keen to keep it to themselves because they don't want to sound like arrogant arseholes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times when people talk about, oh, I made this much money in the stock market, you sound like a bit of a dick. Um, so so people don't te- generally talk about it so much. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if if you, hopefully you'll, you'll get something out of this and hopefully you'll share it and we can we can educate the world together. Um, so yeah, so if I, if we just start off with like, you know, what is, what is money? Like, what do we use it for? Obviously, if, if you go back to the, the dawn of time, there was no money. Um, and we all, we all just kind of bartered. Um, and when you have like a really small community, barter trade is just fine. Like you, you can just swap stuff as and when you need it, especially if you're actually growing things because what you need is very limited. Um, but in in the current modern world, bartering still happens, but it's very, very rare. Um, you'll get people, let's say like um, people that are like quite high up in the car industry and stuff like that. They're, they're dealing with like exotic cars. They might trade cars, for example, um, and maybe like a little bit of cash or some parts or this, that, the other thing. Um, funnily enough, I was actually just watching uh, something on Netflix called Car Masters. Uh, and these guys, they, they trade up cars all the time. And you don't think about it, but that's barter trade generally. Um, and that is just, that's just how things used to always happen. Um, but obviously, the more people you get, the more complex your needs are, the less viable it is to use, you know, swapping as a, as a means of conveyance. So obviously, you, you need an, an intermediary. And when money was first invented, um, obviously, well, the first thing was gold, and and, and we we traded through through gold. Um, but then, as the need for for gold kind of dissipated, we then converted to to paper money. Um, and initially, it wasn't like the kind of uh, pound notes and stuff that we get now. It was promissory notes, and in fact. If you look on currency that's printed now, it still says, I promise to pay the bearer the sum of £5, £10, whatever it is. Um, and, th- and that's like a, a promise that you could go to a bank and withdraw X, Y, Z, or you could go to a, an, another location and just trade that up. So money just became like an intermediary in the barter trade. It's just um, a, a fixed, almost like a token, you could say. Um, the the thing with it though is that its its value is not fixed. A lot of people think like I've got a pound, therefore I've I've got a pound. And that's and that's how much it's always worth. But something is only worth what you can get with it. So yeah. if if you think back to when you're a kid, then like how much how much pocket money did you used to get when you were a kid? Oh, my pocket money was intermittent. It weren't even like to do with whether I was a good boy or not. It was just how my mum was feeding on that day. <laughs> what now, she could find on the back of the sofa. Yeah, I used to kind of ask 
like the, the concept of pocket money was was strange to me <laughs> i didn't even know that was a thing until i got into like secondary school <laughs> and then you know like you start getting asked to go cinema and they'll be like yeah i'll get my pocket money on this day we could go on this day and i was like what <laughs> you get given money every week um but no i used to kind of had a, had a more of a kind of relationship where i would ask my mum and if she had it she would give it to me if if she didn't i'd steal it out of her purse okay nice it's <laughs> standard <laughs> win -win for okay me. <laughs> so, so my my thing was like let's say like what maybe like once a month when we we're a kid maybe once every two weeks if if we we're lucky we'd get a pound okay and i remember me and my sisters we used to like getting a pound you're lit you're yeah, like oh my yeah. god we've got a pound right we're going straight down to the shops this yeah. is going to be so sick all right so we'd head down to the shops and you'd buy like a can of fizzy drink, like a chocolate bar, and like some some pick and mix sweets or or some chewing gum or something. Yeah, pick and mix with a one. Yeah, but like you and all your mates sway dirty hands on that pick and mix. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Oh shit! No, no one was using tongues in the shop, bro. <laughs> Everyone just grubby hands in there. You'd be climbing oh. trees going down the shop. <laughs> Do you know what? For everything that's going on right now and how 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 much people are washing their hands, that just sounds doubly gross. <laughs> oh, and you know, back in my day, bruv, it wasn't an issue. <laughs> okay, oh, but, um, but yeah, and now, and, but but again, coming back to the point, you know, if you go if you go to a shop now, can you buy a can of fizzy drink, a chocolate bar, and, and some chewing gum? fuck no you can't so so the value of that pound has greatly diminished over time and that that is what inflation is right it's the the erosion of the value of your capital over time through external factors <clears throat> that's, and, a sound, that's a soundbite right there it's beautiful it's beautiful that's what i'm giving you i'm giving you soundbite <laughs> after soundbite sound <laughs> um so so yeah we're, like i guess it seems we're kind of already on the the inflation thing um when we talk about savings what you're talking about is putting your money somewhere so that it can grow in value to help fulfill an aspirational need in the future whatever that thing is right you have to bear in mind whatever it is that you're looking to spend that money on in the future the cost of it is not going to be the same by the time you get there as it is now so yeah. just just to keep it simple, if you're if you're saving a hundred pounds a month because you want a MacBook, for example, like a decent MacBook, then in twenty-four months when you've got two and a half grand, that might not be enough to buy the latest MacBook anymore. Especially because obviously the price of things is continually going up anyway. And although let's say today in 2020, that MacBook is two and a half grand. The new one when it comes out in two years will be the one that you want, but it might be closer to three grand. Yeah. The one that you the one that you wanted today is not the latest one anymore, and that's not the one that you want anymore, right? So your aspiration will change. Um and that's what we're kind of looking to do with the savings is from that start point to when you actually achieve it, you want the savings vehicle to make up for that shortfall in the in the increase of the cost right so if we if we start off with like the one that everyone does and that's bank accounts savings accounts 
Now, obviously, we're, we're at a bit of a shitty time now. Uh, the Bank of England just moved the base rate, and I'll pause and explain what the base rate is for anyone that doesn't know what it is. The Bank of England lends money to the government. It lends money to high street banks and other large financial institutes, and the base rate is the rate of interest that the Bank of England charged to any of those places I just mentioned. Now, if the base rate is half a percent, that means that those financial institutes are paying half a percent. When we, let's say we take out a mortgage, a lot of times the interest rate that's calculated is the base rate plus whatever the bank wants to charge on top. Yeah. When we're talking about savings, our savings generally stick quite close to the base rate because banks don't want to pay out much more than they're having to pay anyway. They obviously want to keep their profits as, as high as possible. So let's say a bank might give out a, an unsecured personal loan at 5%, um, and they've had to pay half a percent um, to the Bank of England, then they're making 4.5%, right? They could, instead of taking money from the Bank of England, they could take money from your savings account, which is what they do, um, but they might have to pay you 1%. Which means they're not they're not making quite as much profit on it, but they're still making profit, and then you're you're benefiting from it as well because you're getting one percent. Yeah. And a lot of people are very comfortable with that because you'll see I started off with a hundred pounds, and in a year's time, if I leave that hundred pounds there, I've got a hundred and one. So the value of my money has increased. However, if we look at inflation, we know that the the cost of things changes throughout the year. The issue is there is, no, there is no such thing as an inflation rate for everyone. And the reason for that is the cost of everything goes up at different rates. So the government will issue like a, an annual um, rate of inflation, but that is based on what they think people spend their money on, on average. But there's no such thing as an average person. Um, so even if we just take in this conversation now I'm having with Denny, Den, how much do you spend in a month on fuel? Well, um, it wouldn't be more than a hundred pound. Okay, so I spend a hundred pound a week. Yeah. So, well. so, so I'm spending four times as much on you as fuel, on fuel. Therefore, my my monthly increase in cost is going to be much more significant in terms of my overall expenditure than yours, right? Yeah. That bit makes sense. Cool. Um, and because of that, obviously, like I said, everyone's rate of inflation is different. So when we're talking about saving money in a savings account and getting 1%, what we're really talking about, let's say we just stick to the government's figure. Well, let, just to make it easy, let's say it's a, let's say it's 5%, nice round figure, right? So your savings is giving you 1%. The rate of inflation is 5%. So what you're doing is you're losing 4% every year. Obviously, no one likes to think of it that way, but it's fucking true. There's there's no other way to cut it. That's what you lose. They often call it like the real time value of your money. Indeed. So you're, yeah, so that yeah, you'll often hear. Um, so that's basically what they mean when sometimes you'll hear um, uh, people uh, earnings have decreased in real time. So basically, if they if you don't get an, uh, a, a a pay rise. 
that's at least in line with inflation you've what the money you earn is worth less than it was the previous year is that correct yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um so yeah so that that's a inflation is a inflation is a motherfucker I've, I've funnily enough as i said i've looked at my notes and my note says inflation is a motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> just a quick one of the first things i do when i look at um in investments um and this is one of the simplest things I, I i i generally tell people is like you said the safer most common option is um putting something in a savings account in the bank um over the last what 10 years interest rates have been historically low because of this corona thing they were even i think it's the lowest they've ever been at 0.1 percent i think and um but the first thing I so that means your save at your interest rates on your savings accounts are going to be pretty shit. Um, so the first thing I always look at is what's my what's what what are the banks going to give me if I put my money there? And the first thing is right. The first thing I want to do is beat the bank. So that's the first yeah. thing I generally look for with a with any kind of investment. The second thing is that inflation, and as you said, that's taking it like that's being much more intricate. Um, and again, that's even something that I haven't necessarily thought about when you're just explaining the um, how everyone's uh, uh, what's the what's the term? Everyone's rate of inflation. Yeah, rate of inflation is different. Um, and I think is it is it is is the bank is the sorry this sort of general is it two percent or two point five percent a year? The sort of general consensus that sort of average that you said the government. Yeah, it does vary uh, slightly, but yeah. Yeah, so that's the second question I ask. Right. Any investment I make, is it going to be um, the rate of inflation? Because then the value, the, the in real time terms, the value of my money is um, going to be increasing. So they're they're kind of the first two things that I'm looking at, and the first two questions I'm asking um, whenever I'm looking like putting my money somewhere, basically. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm just looking at some some figures. In 2018, the rate of inflation was 2.48. The rate of inflation in 2019 was 1.8. Okay. So rate of inflation is obviously dropping, which means you don't have to work quite as hard to to beat the rate of inflation. However, um, in in times of financial difficulty, which we're heading into, uh, what's basically going to happen, especially as people's wages freeze and stuff like that, the rate of inflation is probably going to go up. Um it's not going to happen for a little while, but it, it will happen. Um, and that's something to be aware of, obviously, um, is that that is that's definitely going to happen. So in terms of uh, like where else to look at putting your money, uh, the other thing you've got to bear in mind is like what are you putting your money away for? Okay. So there's when we talk about financial planning, there's there's always there's always just three things to look at short term medium term long term right yeah 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 so so you've got your your short term which is your emergency fund and your plan spending over the next year or so yeah so someone like denny who goes on 57 holidays a year <laughs> 54 <laughs> it's only one a week they over exaggerate um like obviously you you could sit and look and go okay i want to allocate this much towards my 
uh, holiday spending for this year, so I need that much sitting in an account. But also, in an emergency like the one that we're in now, you should, and this is like a, a standard line for, for all financial services, they all recommend it, you should have at least three months worth of your monthly outgoings in a savings account ready for you to access whenever you need. Yeah. And if you think anyone listening to this, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are listening who right now do not have three months worth of their outgoings in savings. And if you've just, especially if you're like self-employed, maybe you don't qualify for government assistance or the company that you work for, as much as the government's willing to help them out with furlough and whatever it is, they might still not be able to be financially viable before the end of this. And there you go, you might be out of a job and not really entitled mm-hmm. to any benefits. Um, having three months worth of your fixed out- outgoings means that you could take that burden off your employer, off yourself, and and not really have to worry about it. Um, um, I was just going to add, I think one of the things that a lot of people do or don't do, should I say, is have that three-tier savings so a lot of people you can say yes i've got savings and then if this scenario like you just said happened they go into that they have to go into that one pot rather than sort of that can be long term that can be for a wedding that could be saving up for a mortgage and i've also got this sort of other pot that is for immediate emergent um, immediate emergencies i remember i spoke to a financial advisor once and what they said to me um and you give me your take on this after was um uh first try and get like a sort of buffer of maybe like a grand so that should be your sort of aim um and for any like i guess uh losing your job is quite a big deal but for so not it's not necessary to cover that but um you know like something happens to the car your washing machine breaks down like you've kind of got that immediate emergency button for the average person um a grand or two should cover most things most occurrences the sort of common occurrences um and once you've got that you can then start sort of saving to longer term because one of the things i find particularly with family and people i chat to about it is when they've got that pot as soon as something happens which inevitably you know there's always um unexpected things that happen they go back into that and then they feel like they're back at zero and they start saying talking about this cycle and they they never can get to save or some 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 uh incident happens and it just knocks them back to to um their sort of starting point yeah um having that for me sort of creating that buffer and then once i got to that sort of grand that i was able to sort of save that almost like shoebox under the bed money and then almost in my head whether ultimately my money is is still one pool but because i kind of separated it mentally and i kind of said right that's a sort of safety net and now you know like if 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 a family member says oh something happens i can take out of that without affecting my proper savings and now i can start building my proper savings and that almost never has to get touched until i've achieved what um the the aim of that savings was for like I've, I've got the right amount and then i can spend it because i know i'm sort of safe and it just and i think as well for, for a lot of people it is like when you think about you know putting putting money in something like in, in my bank account i think this is one of the big fears people have as well when it's in my bank account i know i can access it at any point yeah 
when I put it into maybe shares or something else, it's a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more something else. Um, excuse me. Um, it, how do I get it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it I feels think, a little bit I less think, out of my control. Yeah. And, and with that part, with that first part, that, um, you know, emergency fund quick, the fact that you need quick access means that you are going to sacrifice the potential for growth. That's okay. like standard. Yeah. You can't get, you can't get an instant access savings account that pays you ten percent. Yeah, it just okay. it, it doesn't exist. It hasn't existed since like probably the bloody seventies or something. Um, actually, no, maybe in the nineties, maybe early nineties, you could have got like high high single digits on interest rates. Um, so yeah, that's 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 your first part. I think the the guy who spoke, obviously, everyone's. Everyone's financial position is different. Yeah. If you're if you're listening to this and you earn fifteen to twenty grand a year, then getting a thousand pounds spare to like sit in an account that you're not touching, it, that can be a challenge. Yeah. I've been. Yeah. That that can be hard. Um. But if you're on fifty grand a year, and you've got a load of nice new clothes, and you're driving a nice car, and you're living in a nice place, chill out a little bit. You know, put your feet on the brakes a little bit. And check check yourself first for, for people like that getting a getting a grand in savings is not hard at all um you just have to like modify your lifestyle a little bit for a couple of months yeah. um but yeah then you've got your your medium term goals which might be i don't know maybe maybe you're looking to get married in a few years or maybe you're gonna like thinking about having kids yeah, yeah all that stuff that all costs money um and you want to make sure that whatever those things are those medium term objectives they're not going to interfere with your long term goals um but because you can afford to to put that money away and not need instant access to it because you've already taken care of that with your first pot you can then try to get a little bit more out of it and that's where you can start looking at other options i.e if you're if you're like super crazy cautious mm-hmm. then you can except that you're probably still not going to quite beat inflation, but maybe get a slightly better interest rate and put it into like a, a fixed long-term savings account or something like that, or maybe even buy bonds. Um, so like premium bonds are a, a big one that a lot of people forget about um, because premium bonds, they do like a, almost like a, a lottery draw um, and you can actually like win money off premium bonds. Um, so you can do okay off them. Uh, and then, then you've got your long-term aspiration. And uh, for a lot of people, their long-term aspiration is retirement. Yeah. And especially, obviously, you know, if you're in your thirties plus, then your your long-term would be retirement, right? So, so real quick, then you got your phone. I've got my phone. All right. How how old do you want to be when you retire? Get your calculator out. Um. So shall we say, let's go for the retirement age. Let's just say sixty-eight. Okay, so let's take 68 and then minus off that your current age. Okay, um, and let's say minus my current age, which is... Um, okay. Yep, cool. Okay, now, um, what I want you to do is think about how much money you want to have per year when you retire. Yeah. So what, you, what you'd like to pay yourself as a salary when you retire. Okay. So I'm I'm going to use mine, and I'll be open with my numbers, right? So let's say I'm I'm 68 as well, um, but I'm 34 right now, which leaves me 34 years, and I'd like to have 20 grand a year. 
when okay. I retire, which is a fairly modest income. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's take that 20 right now. Assuming from 68, let's assume that I'd live until I'm 85, which is, that's, that's reasonable, right? Okay. Like 85 year olds are a dime a dozen these days. Um, so what do I say? 85 minus the 68. That's 17 years, 17 times 20 grand. That is 340,000, yeah? Okay. And now I've got 34 years to save that. So I'm going to divide that 340,000 by 34 years, which conveniently enough means I have to save exactly 10 grand a year. Wow. Okay, which that's doable. I could Let's, let's just divide that by months so divide that by 12 months that means i have to save 833 pounds per month yeah which is doable if i make some big changes in my life right yeah yeah it's, it's, being being realistic it's not really that doable <laughs> for most people right yeah. it's, it's definitely not really that doable for me uh, where i am now financially the good news is the government will will help um, let me just check what the current state pension is. Current state pension. £146 a week or something? Can't uh, remember. Yeah, 168 Okay. So 168 times 52. Oh, 168 times 52. So it's, there is uh, £8,736 per year. Um, times, what was it? Uh, you said eighty five, didn't you? Yeah. So I needed. Hold on, hold on. Uh, sorry, one second. I'll do some calculations as well. So what's that? Eighty five minus sixty eight. I don't know what we talk about. So Where did you get that? Seven. <laughs> so you yeah, so that, that that. So if you yeah, yeah, so twenty grand a year, you basically yeah. have a shortfall of twelve grand without yeah. the government's help. Exactly. So let me just get the exact figure. One second, one second, one second. I don't want to. I don't want to have too much dead space. But when people start saying numbers while I'm doing numbers, it fucks me. <laughs> Need Michael Daffer on the case, mate. It's some quick maths. Yeah, you're you're much quicker at it than me. Uh, let's just do that times the seven. Need to get. Um... All right, I'll do some MC. Two plus two is four minus six. That's equipment. I, I said that wrong, didn't I? What is it? Two plus two, three plus three is six minus two. That's four. Quick maths. That's it. Okay. All right. So basically, instead of ne needing to save three hundred and forty thousand, I'd need to save three hundred and four, three hundred and six thousand. Sorry, three hundred and six thousand. Okay. Um, so if I go 306, 1, 2, 3, divide that by, uh, what did I say, 34 years. That's 9 grand, divide that by 12 months. So the good news is instead of having to save three, uh, 833 pounds every month, I only have to save 750. Thank you very much, government. And what about... <laughs> that's, still, that's still not really achievable. Yeah. What about the twenty percent that they add on, on for what you contribute? What does that? There you go. So there's your next one, right? Yeah. 
because it still reduces it you, a bit, you beat but it's me still, it, but... <laughs> it's still quite so, a lot. You so have let's, to... instead of, instead of, yeah, because you, because you pay your, yeah, because you get it on your, your gross earnings. So just to, just to, again, to keep it simple, let's just take that 750 and minus 20% off it because okay. I'm paying gross. That means I'm paying 600 pounds a month. Yeah. Still which expensive, still a lot. for a lot of people is a, a large chunk of their mortgage yeah. payment every month. So again, still not hugely. Yeah. Okay. But if, if you were saving that into a savings account or into a kind of very, very low, low risk pension, let's say you could save 400 pounds a month. You have no chance in hell of getting near that 600. So what's really going to happen is you're going to struggle to, to live the lifestyle you want in your retirement years, or you just have to work later. Obviously, if you work for two more years, that's, 40 grand less that you need to save plus two more years of saving whatever it is you're viable to save right okay and and just yeah. to, to give people some context when the government set up the like national pension scheme the average life expectancy was 60 to 65 right and the, sorry well in in terms of like today's equivalent because obviously it's, it's not even now um, but at the time, most people barely lived to the to to that age where where they would reach pension pensionable age. Yeah. Nowadays, the vast majority of people reach pensionable age. The system was not set up to achieve that, yeah. and this is why you need to have your own private pension. Now, when we're talking about private pensions, you, obviously. There are there are benefits to putting your money into a normal pension fund, um, but other people set up other investments. Um, it might be a business, it might be a rental property, something like that that you can then use, um, use that that asset to to fund your lifestyle in retirement. Anything that you're using to fund your lifestyle in retirement, that's your pension pot. For some people, it might be collecting bloody rare Pokemon cards and then selling them. Yeah, you know, or the the class maybe the, the classic bloody McDonald's toys that used to be given away in Happy Meals. Um, I know some of them are worth a fortune now, man. I was talking to someone about it the other day. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, man. Like those old school, you know, the old school like Ronald McDonald wind-up toys and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. That's it. Apparently, they're, they're worth dollar. But, yeah, so, um, so, so that's an exercise you can do at home to just think about you know, how much realistically are you on track? Now, you might already have a work pension, and obviously that you can take that into consideration. But generally speaking, the younger you are when you start planning for retirement, the easier it's going to be to retire. And as much as if you're listening to this and you're 20 or younger, you're thinking, fuck that. I ain't going to start saving for my retirement now. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of money. I'm not going to need it. Things are going to change. Nothing's going to change. You still need to pay your bills after you stop working. The only thing is that the younger you are when you start saving, the cheaper it's going to be. And in fact, it's just, again, not quite pause, but just take a minute. If I needed to save 340000 but instead of having 34 years, 
instead of having 34 years, if I have 44 years, then let's just take that, divide that by 44, and then divide that by 12. That's only 643. And that's before we take off all the other stuff. No, um, just if you if you just put it from your mouth slightly, slightly. I had, I had. Obviously, we'll just edit this bit out. Yeah. Um, where where does it need to be? Like here. That sounds good. It, this is good, yeah. Yeah. If it's too close, it picks up too much breathing. If it's too far, I can't hear you properly. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'll yeah. try and hold it here. Yeah, I'll just have it outstretched. Yeah. All right. So, so I will resume in three, two one so instead of that initial starting point before we take off the uh, national pension scheme and the tax benefits instead of starting off at 833 we start off at 643 which is almost the end point that we got at before yeah um so obviously the younger you are the better and this goes back to the first point of like talking to our kids about this stuff this is that this is because that. If, if you've known about this from like the age of 10, 12, when you get to 18, 19, it's already in the front of your mind. Just put a little bit of money to one side. That is so much easier to do. Obviously, not many 18-year-olds are going to be putting bloody 640 quid a month to one side. I'm, I'm not expecting that to happen. But even if you can put £100 a month to one side when you get your first job, when you're living at home with parents, that's easily doable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, that's the, the first thing in terms of like, just think about, uh, how you're going to plan, plan with your money. And then if we stick to like the, the even shorter term monthly budgeting, or if you get paid weekly, weekly budgeting, perhaps that's what you need to do. Um, but just the, the structure that you employ to to budget your monthly outgoings a lot of people say that they budget monthly but they actually don't do it um i used to interview like five six people a day talk to them about their daily weekly monthly spending most of them actually didn't know what they were spending their money on i'd ask them and then i'd have access to their bank accounts so i would check their bank accounts and what they told me they were spending and what they're actually spending were vastly different um so if you think of uh, most businesses for a business to operate effectively, they have to do like a profit and loss spreadsheet. They have yeah. to work out what their overheads are. You are a business. You know, business works for its like shareholders, its owners. You, know, you work for yourself. You're going out, paying your bill, um, doing your jobs so that you can afford to pay your bills and keep yourself running just the same way a business needs to keep itself running. So, it, like sit down draw on a on a sheet like write down what your average monthly income is maybe your income changes but take an average look at what your fixed outgoings are actually write it down look at what you spend realistically look through your bank statement say okay how much am i actually spending on food how much are I actually spending on socializing how much gets spent at costa how much gets spent here there here there okay cool add that all up be as honest as you can and then look at what you got left. Um, a lot of, like, I'll tell you this, I've convinced about 200 people to stop buying lunch out. Because when I sat down with them, 
and worked out, okay, you spend three pound at the morning in the morning when you go to Costa every day. And then you spend nearly ten pounds at lunchtime. So let's just let's just keep it simple. You're spending for for ease sake ten pounds a day on your on your lunch slash eating out. So that's fifty pound a week, two hundred pound a month, two and a half grand a year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you're if you're doing that with food from your house, it's probably costing you four hundred pounds a year at a push. You yeah. know, you can buy a decent flask, make a cup of tea or coffee before you leave the house. You could you could even do what Denny did, buy a nice coffee machine. <laughs> right? Spend a couple of hundred quid. Yeah. You'll get your money back in the first year. You do. You do get it back so quickly. So yeah. quickly. You just got to make sure you still use it. Danny's has still got the foil on it. He's had it for three years. <laughs> no, I, I do use mine. I do use it. Okay, cool, cool, it. cool. Yeah, cool. experimenting, actually. Unlike your oven. <laughs> <laughs> that gets used a lot more now. Um, I think it was, oh, was it like a year? It was nearly know. a year. Um, so, it's about eight months. But I didn't long time. Yeah. Denny had his oven delivered and had like thought it was broken. But it's just one of those like funky ovens that you need to set it up properly. Um, so he asked me to like take a look at it, thinking that it was broken because I'm handy with this kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, no worries, man. I'll find out what's wrong with it. And I just went and turned it on. And I was like, uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it, bro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, this is a little side story. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, obviously we've kind of done like planning, uh, long-term planning and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that I, I want to kind of follow on from when it comes to monthly budgeting um, is when we think about uh, like when you're taking a job, uh, a lot of times we we take jobs, we get pay rises, we get promotions. You know, you find a job that pays you an extra five, six grand a year and that extra money disappears. Yeah. Because you know, oh, I'm earning this much now. So instead of getting these trainers, I get these trainers. Yeah. Instead of living in this car, I drive that car. Instead of living in this house, I'm going to buy that house. Yeah. Money does buy you happiness, but things do not make you happy. Not really. Yeah. yeah? Like yeah. you can live in a nicer house, but there comes a point where you're still just coming home. Yeah, exactly. And that initial, when you first move in, that's happiness. But once you get to that point where you're just coming home, that house isn't bringing you happiness. Yeah. Um, and making the monthly payment on that mortgage or the rent or whatever it is, that's then going to bring you down. So mm. whatever, whatever you get in that initial, like, oh, happy moment, it's often multiplied in the opposite direction at the back yeah. end. I had this discussion with... Um... My partner recently, actually, we were talking about mortgages and sort of what we could afford. And between the both of us, um, she says, listen, um, and we, we, I gave her, we were just talking and I sort of said, realistically, I don't want a house that costs more than this because I know that both of us right now can afford that comfortably. We're only going to increase. So there should never be a bigger burden on us if we kind of set our budget now and then 
you know, we don't think, oh, we've got a pay rise. We need a bigger house. We just say, no, at this level, we're comfortable. Um, and in terms of your dream home, this kind of thing, you know, and we're looking, it's like, you're looking at something. And the example I gave her was, let's say I got a more, I, we got a property, as I said, combined incomes and that. And the mortgage was, I don't know, three grand. Um, in the worst case scenario, if something like this happens again in 20 years or forever, whether it's a recession, the ups and downs in the economy that usually happen, um, and we can't afford three grand, that's a big amount to try and get hold of. That's a big amount to ask someone to borrow. That's a big amount. And if you can't do it for two months, you're, you're like six grand you're really, really pushing it. You're really struggling. You're selling, you're selling your car, maybe potentially both. Do you know what I mean? How that, how that, maybe. yeah, how that adds up, um, is, is, uh, let's use a, a buzzword of the moment. Um, it starts stacking up exponentially. Um, whereas yeah. if you've got something that's just much more affordable, as I said, kind of let's, let's fix our, let's fix our standard of living at this. Everything else is a bonus. Like we don't need to spend and, and then, you know, automatically increase our standard of living because we, we've, we've got everything we need. Um, uh, let's say it's £1,500. Let's say it's £1,200 a month um, after like you've saved for a deposit and stuff. That's just so much more affordable. Like worst case scenario, if both of us work in a McDonald's um, on minimum wage, we could afford that. Granted, we might not have a huge amount of excess. We might not have a nice cup. Do you know what I mean? But at least we know if we had to go back to rock bottom and build our way up, we still have that roof over our head. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So that's, we were, we were having that conversation anyway. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, how I try and plan. So I prefer to sort of front load. So try and save up for that deposit to try and get the, the monthly... Um, the, the monthly mortgage payments a, a bit lower um rather than and even things like and again in some you know i don't want to sound insensitive to different people's circumstances um but even if even if you're able to 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 um save up for uh the mortgage you're not getting a five percent mortgage you get a ten percent mortgage just so you get a slightly better rate um and then you're not you know again when that's on a monthly basis, you, you end up you end up paying a bit less. Um, so one of the things with that is a lot of the first the first time mortgages, um, when you see them advertised, they do base it and give the rates based on um, the sort of lower um, deposit, don't they? Like a, a five percent deposit, and the rates do tend to be a lot higher, um, and they shout from the rooftops about them. And um, I'm sure they're pretty popular with people. But if you could. Um, wait another year i'm not again i understand people's different circumstances and save up a bit more you end up spending a lot less over in the long in the long run yeah i think um i think an important thing to note as well as like when you when you talk about okay you know am i am i spending two grand or three grand a month or on, on my mortgage it's like what you're doing with that excess money yeah um that you having to spend so your your income minus your fixed and variable outgoings that figure that's left over is in like 
finance speak, we call it your net disposable income, your, your NDI. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, one of your friends who you'll know uh, when I explain, but I'm not, I'll not say his name, just in case, obviously, he takes offense to me, name dropping. Um, he, uh, so he, he buys like a lot of gadgets and stuff. Um, but also like nice watches. I think he's got like a one or two Rollies. Okay. Um, and also got uh, like a, a Porsche. Okay. This is like, this is like luxury little toys. And uh, it's funny enough, actually, like one of his friends was asking him and I, I just kind of overheard, um, you know, are you, are you not worried like spending all this money on, you know, like luxury stuff? And he said, "Well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not because when I bought these things, I knew that they are like easily disposable. Um, right. If I, if I needed to, I could sell the, I could sell my Rolex. Like I'd, I'd get a buyer for it within a week or so, and I can release the money from that. And although it's not an asset, um, I'm getting some enjoyment out of it. So I'm not thinking of it as like a, a savings vehicle. It's just something that I can enjoy, but I can also." I can also like liquefy it at any point. Yeah. Which is not ideal, but it's a lot better than what other a lot of other people do, which is where like you buy fucking golf clubs or Yeah. Uh you know, if you, you might buy a nice watch, but it'll be like an Armani watch, which is never gonna appreciate in value. Yeah. It's never gonna hold its value. Yeah. And and that gets on to like assets and liabilities. Um, a lot of people don't understand really the difference between an asset and a liability. And the first thing that you, that lets you know that is when you ask them, like, what do you have that's an asset? And the typical answer that they'll give you is my car, my house, and any other like luxury things that they've got knocking about. Yeah. The thing is, an asset in like financial terms is something that is there to make you money. Right. Okay. An asset to, to, to me, an asset is like a pension, a savings plan, stocks and shares, you know, a business. Yeah. They're all assets. Things that you don't have to, you don't have to physically expend energy to, to get money. Cause that's a job. Yeah. Um, but but things that you can do to you know in, increase your your wealth, if you're buying, you know, okay, maybe you buy a Rolex for ten grand and you can still sell it for for ten grand in three years. Yeah. It's still not an asset, but it's not a liability either. Okay, that's, yeah, that, that's somewhere in the that's somewhere in the grey zone. That is, despite the the name of the podcast, we'll allow that one. <laughs> it will be a grey area for this, um, but you know, if if you're if you're buying a car unless you're buying a really high-end car that you're not planning on driving and it's, you know, limited production numbers, you're not going to get more money than you paid for on that car. Yeah. Especially, especially if it's like your main car that you drive. And it's the same thing for your house. It's the same thing. So even if you think of, um, like, let's say, uh, just for argument's sake, you're looking at a house that's, Let's say you got to take out a three hundred and seventy grand mortgage. Yeah, and that mortgage is over thirty years, at like two, just under two and a half percent. Your mortgage will be about fifteen hundred pounds a month. Okay. So if you go fifteen hundred pounds, you times that by twelve, 
you times that by 30, that's £540,000 that you're paying back on a house that if you've got a 370 grand mortgage, you know, let's minus off that initial borrowing figure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We'll just say 530, yeah? Yeah. Minus 370123. Quick maths, 160 grand on top of what the house is worth at the point of buying it. Now, it, it might be worth more than 540 when you come to sell it. Yeah. Most likely it will over that period of time. But there are there are many more other things that you can invest your money in. And also, we're not taking into account the fact that to live in that house, you're not only paying the mortgage, you're also paying the council tax and all your utilities yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so altogether, what you put into that house every month is going to be a lot more than that. Now, granted, it's a necessity. And yes, you can liquidate it. But when you liquidate it, it's going to, it's going to cost you something mm-hmm. in terms of a change in your lifestyle. Yeah. This is, this is um, one thing I try to say to so many people. Like, yes, your house can make you money. But your home, your primary home, to me, should not be looked at as... You, you, should, you should try and keep that separate from your investments. Um, and I think just reflecting on what you said in terms of with regards to the value and how much you end up paying with with the interest and stuff in the mortgage and how much you you're you're, you're paying and on top of that in terms of bills and other things you have to pay um i always i always just feel like yes it it, it can be like you said you can liquidate it but that for me having that sort of comfort having that and, and again sort of building up um a actual sort of savings and stuff i always like to think of my home is my home my my um and i i think what it is as well is like my home i want an emotional attachment to it my investments i don't i understand i can obviously the you know if you if you're smart if you listen if you take good advice it should be wise and especially over the period of 30 years you should end up with uh, a good return but you still have to be able to detach yourself like in in this current climate like my shares i mean i'll give the number i probably lost, lost about close to five grand um but that a lot of that was the interest i had earned so mostly what i've lost is the interest and i'm probably about 500 pound below what i've actually totally invested at the moment so i know i'm gonna get I, I feel confident I'm going to get that back. No guarantee, but I feel confident I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, it's all good. And I've actually been investing more because now a lot of those, 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 those things are, are low cost. I've actually been buying more shares, but that's, that's a, that's a slightly different story. But at the same time, every time I put money into that, it's been right. I can afford to, 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 to put a hundred pound in and it's not going to affect me. And I can get on with my life. It's not going to affect me at the end of the month. So I've kind of detached myself from it. That's built up, that's built up, that's built up. However often I'm putting that um, that hundred pounds in. So even now, every single time I look at it, even when it was 500, five grand plus, it was just something to put a smile on my face. And don't get me wrong, it's a kick in the teeth that that's been wiped off because I physically see it. I can go in, I can see minus whatever over this short period of time. But it's not affecting my day to day. It's not affecting my house. I still have a, a, an affordable roof over my head. It's not affecting what I can give 
um like you, you know um just my just my day-to-day and my lifestyle it's kind of like the the, the attachment is is gone like there's there's no emotional attachment to it do you see what i mean there's no real yeah. emotional attachment and that's my thing with my home like my home is my home I, like i want to be emotionally attached to it i don't want to kind of see it as this investment that um i'm treating in the same way almost because and i, I kind of feel like as well to, like you said you can liqui- you can liquid uh uh the word you use liquefy liquidate liquidate it but doesn't that almost mean you're planning to move out yeah <laughs> That's the thing. So it's like, this is my home. This is where I could, I, I want to be somewhere I could potentially spend the rest of my life because I'm comfortable. I don't want to be in my head planning to move because I, it, I don't know. It doesn't, it, it just kind of has a slight detachment element to it, but I don't know. Hmm. I think, uh, oh, sorry. Apologize. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you're, it obviously I, I share the same sentiment. Um, you do get people that are adamant. No, no, no. My my house is an asset. My house is an asset. Um, and you know that they're they're kind of right, but yeah, they're they're very wrong. They're more wrong than they are right, unfortunately. Um, especially when here's a good example, right? Everyone says, everyone that I speak to about property, they always go, but the value of property always goes up. Okay, cool. Look at house prices now. Pick a house now that's on the market or or pick 10 houses, right? Because maybe that one that you've picked gets sold. In six months' time, look back at those houses. The house prices in the UK in particular are going to fall by between 5 and 10% over the next six months to a year. That's standard. Okay. If anyone's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Let's just put it into context. There's a lot of companies, even large companies, that are potentially going to go out of business. People are going to be losing their jobs. When people lose their jobs, they can't afford their mortgages. That's when repossessions happen. So now we have more houses on the market. Repossessions are sold at a lower price than houses that aren't repossessions because the bank are just keen to get their money back. They don't care about how much more they'll get back than their money because that money's coming back to the, um, the, the person who took out the mortgage. So let's say you borrowed 100 grand off the bank uh, or, or you bought 100 grand property just to keep numbers simple, even though you're not buying much for a property for that. You put down a 10% deposit, so you borrowed 90 grand off the bank. If the bank, let's say you've, you've paid 10 grand off, so you've got 80 grand left on your mortgage. If the bank get 86 grand for that house, they'll be happy. They'll take their 80 grand, they'll give you the six. Plus the so 10 you've grand got- that you've already paid as well. Yeah. They still get to so cheap. Yes, yeah, so you've 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 lost four grand off your deposit and whatever all that money that you've paid over the last couple of years. Mm. And you're fucking homeless. Yeah. Um and then those houses that get sold below what you would call the the current market value, because they're getting sold cheaper, that brings down the average market value. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking at two houses side by side, one of them's gonna go at auction through um uh, the mortgage company the, or the, the bank and the other one's going to get sold by a, a private person who's looking to maybe upgrade. One person is trying to get as much money as they can and the other person's got a, a line and once they've crossed it, they're happy. So you're going to get that house for cheaper, which is going to fuck over the next door neighbor who's trying to sell his house. Um, 
so so yeah the the property thing is is not as safe as everyone thinks and funnily enough actually i was talking to someone recently about shares um and i got them to download the the hargreaves lansdowne app yeah which is uh, you use hnl that's, as well that's, right that's what i use yeah so this is not a plug for HNL, but it kind of is as well because their app is very easy to use. It's easy to fund. Yeah, I was I was using the Halifax um, platform before, just from when I was working with Lloyd's. The Halifax one is terrible. The login process is long and convoluted, and it's just a pain in the backside. Whereas with this, it just you can log in with Face ID. You can get current prices and buy and sell really easily. Um, and they're they're quite open about their their charges and fees and stuff. Um, God, that that shame shameless, penniless plug just caused me to lose my chain of thought as well. <laughs> uh, what was, where, where was I going from? Bloody hell! Um, what were we talking about? Oh, shares. We're kind of just getting on to to shares because yeah. we we're talking about, um, investing and stuff and and what you're actually getting back. Yeah. Um, can I just say, can I just quickly say as well um the thing with and it's just you this was kind of you did kind of say this but it's just to reiterate this particular point with your home if you've got a mortgage let's say the value is going to go up you can get halfway through that mortgage if you hit rock bottom and that house gets repossessed you've lost everything like you don't that like you just said they don't give you back the money you have put in even though chances are they're gonna get a good majority of the the, the price value so even even you know when people say even that's a risk element to it whereas yes shares the value of shares can go up and down but once i've paid i paid like i don't have to worry about paying again next month and paying again next month and you know yeah and and that's sorry that's where i was going with the property thing even when you're even when you're looking at it as an investment um this person who i was speaking to um that i got to download the hnl app um i just got them to buy uh shares a few weeks back in bp okay now the share price of bp had, has fallen through the floor recently um and they just put in and this was a little a small trade i was going to do anyway mm. so 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 normally i would i would not like to give anyone any advice on like which share to buy when to buy it not specifically right. and i will i will get on in a little while and give you like the tips that i use myself <clears throat> when i'm looking at trading but i wouldn't i don't obviously i did it a little while ago with the, I, I was telling people look buy aston martin now's a good time to buy um, you can sell it in a little while and you'll make some money. And funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, as predicted, two weeks later, there was a, an offer to buy part of the company from a Canadian billionaire. The value of the property went went up, uh, of the shares went up by about 15% and I, I made my money and, and sold. Um, so yeah, if I look at uh, the BP shares that were purchased uh, a couple of weeks ago, the current uh, the current profit margin, and I'll show it to Denny so that he can, he can see in terms of percentage. Yeah. You see it there on the screen. What's that as a percentage, mate? The top one. Uh, four point nine. Four point nine. So, I asked this person uh, before they downloaded the app what um, what the yield was on their rental property. Yeah. And it has that house has an interest only mortgage. They're not clearing the capital. 
um, and the yield was like three and a half, four percent a year. Now these shares were only bought two or three weeks ago. You sell them in, you sell them today, you've made four point nine percent. Yeah. So you you can make more money off shares potentially, especially when you consider everything has risk, right? Mm-hmm. So let, let's we'll, we'll we'll look at shares in a second, but let's just finish off on the house, right? A house can be a huge liability, especially if you think about there's a lot of landlords now who are not going to get income for the next three months, but they yeah. still have to maintain their mortgage payments yeah. unless they can get a mortgage holiday. And they still have and, to uh, abide by the law and fix any issues that happen with the house and, you know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff as well. And on top of that, you could get a tenant who decides that they're not paying you the rent anymore. Yeah. And it could take six months to get that tenant out of the house mm-hmm. and that's six months of you paying a mortgage so you're losing money every month for those six months and then when you do get them out of the house they've trashed the whole house and you need to spend 10 grand getting it fixed up yeah so First in that instance that. you'd be on a, a negative yield you you sound like that hurt you Danny it just did. to hear it like it bringing back memories <laughs> very bad memories um, luckily I got rid of that property end of last year Okay. So, did you ever do the calculation on like the yield of it? I didn't make any money. There you go. I, I I didn't. I pretty much well, not nothing worth. In terms of what I paid on maintenance, put it this way. I made the 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 purchase value and the sell value in in um uh what we're talking about two and a half years. I got over twenty percent increase, which is which is good. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. that's 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 decent enough. It's closer to thirty percent. That's decent enough. By the time I factored in lost earnings from um, uh, damage from months when it wasn't um, uh, rented out having to having the hassle of people being in there and not and not paying rent um when it's not rented out and there was a long period when it wasn't rented out because it was trash and i had to get it fixed um uh the like you still have to pay council taxes the 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 laws in in wales are slightly different um so you only get a very small you get a shorter period of time where you don't get to pay council tax um you also have to in Wells, because this was this this was a flat in Wells, you have to um, do a course um, to be a landlord, or you have to give it to someone. You have to reg- you have to pay to register, and if you're going to be the landlord, basically do the maintenance. You have to re- you have to do a day course, which costs uh, a few hundred quid. If not, you have to give it to a registered letting agent who obviously taking a small cut as well. So by the time all of that was factored in. Um, and it was hassle for two and a half years. It was hassle. I was having to like unnecessary hassle. Um, and that's, yeah. So if, if, if I was to calculate time as well at my daily rate, um, <laughs> no. So, but I ended up selling it and I'd just done a quick sell in the end because I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. Um, I literally made three no, about a grand 
about a oh something's gone on there with the sound. There's a, there's a constant. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I'm just What's going on? Is it going? Uh, just making it. Oh, it's come back. Sweet. Yeah, I'll just check. Yeah. Oh, it's come back. Is that? It doesn't appear to end. Oh. That's not that one, huh? Not that one, huh? Question is, is it something from here? Let's just, let me just end it and then we'll, we'll join it again. Yeah. Maybe that might help. on the computer. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. One sec. It's leak. I don't know why that's just started. Lead this, that shouldn't be. Um, One sec, I'm going to close this and open it back.
Yeah, it's back now. It's all good now. When you talk, it kind of comes back a little bit. Just come back again now. For fuck's sake. Um. something don't know if this will work let's give it a try mm. oh one sec before i try that there's a stevia out on the might be able to fix it. It's basically something when I'm plugging it into my Surface Pro, it's pick it's it's having that. But no, I didn't think of that first. The Surface Pro's in a in a a, um, a dock, right? And the dock's got its own um, jack, and I've just put it in there, and it's fine. So that's why. Is that it? That's what I thought would happen. So if I go to uh, docking station audio device yep so that was from 119 to 127 yep when you're ready hold on give me a, give me a minute bro i actually thought you were going to take a lot longer so i started making toast i'll just i'll just eat on the slide or i'll just yam it real quick um i, I need to get milk um all right, how uh, sorry, how long how far are we in? Uh, it was um, one, it was at 119. 119, yeah. so we've done 80 minutes, and yeah. I reckon we're probably and the other we're, we're... one was at 40 something minutes when we stopped, yeah. so probably okay. about 117. Okay, so we're probably about halfway through all the shit that I wanted to go uh, through. Okay, do you want to do another episode? Uh, I, I don't know. What do you reckon? Like, I don't mind if if it if it ends up being a three hour episode. It doesn't really matter because people just listen to it in as and when. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, in bits and pieces. Anyway, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Um, and you know what? Yeah, as luck would have it, I, I kind of burnt my toast, <laughs> so I'm not going to eat it, <laughs> which is good. Uh, right. I'll just grab my tea and I'll sit back down and then we'll be all right. Cool. Oh, that's good tea. It's good tea, bro. I'll fucking smash that tea. I'll grab my phone. Right. Uh, so what was I saying? I was saying about um, fuck uh, something along the lines of the rent or yield houses risk, and then you talk. You spoke about your Wells property, didn't you? Yeah. 
Are you able to play it back on now? Uh, play it back, sorry. Um, I haven't, you know what? I haven't um, tried to do that. I'm not sure. There must be a yeah, way to right. pause, Let, but I listen, haven't figured that out. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Okay, because I don't want to, I don't want to like potentially fuck it up. Yeah. Right, I'm just going <sighs> to make some notes quickly of the times. Uh, so, let's see, one nineteen two one thirty one. The other one was it? I think it was like forty four to forty seven. Cool. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Uh, Three counting. So I'll start off with an apology, yeah? Yeah. Go. Apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Had a, a little technical issue there. Um, and without without wanting to risk it, I'll, I'll kind of try and pick up from where we left off. And that was, obviously, we're just talking about um, the the difference in the uh, the potential that you can make from, from certain investments. So... All investments, doesn't matter where you put your money, carry inherent risk and rewards. In fact, there was one investment that I kind of thought of at one point that almost has no risk. And it, and I've, I think I might have mentioned it on the last episode with Lamin, and that's stamps. Because oh, yeah. the, the price of stamps goes up with inflation. <laughs> Um, so, so potentially, if you had, you know, someone had the need to to bulk buy stamps, companies, whatever, you can you can sell stamps and buy stamps, even just normal ones, not necessarily like exclusive ones, or whatever, and and generally keep your money safe. You'd have to be a sad son of a, you know what, um, to to be buying a shitload of stamps and keeping them safe, but <laughs> it, it it's there as an option. Um, so yeah. Everything, everything, absolutely everything. You know, if you if you put your money un, under the mattress, okay, you're not getting any interest on it, and there's a risk that someone burgles you or your house gets burnt down, well, and you, you lose everything. I was just going to say, um, bit of a sad story, and don't know how much I should admit this. So when I was younger, I used to collect stamps. I actually had like loads different countries from the 1800s, mad collection. And um, yeah, we got burgled and they took them. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Yeah. I had a penny red, um, which was from Queen Victoria's time. Um, not, I didn't have, so it's really weird. And this is super geeking out. And this was like, I was probably like 10. So I don't even know how I remember this. But the perforation around the stamps, um, there was different perforations from different sort of time periods or whatever it was. And there were certain ones that are worth like stupid amounts of money. So, for example, a penny red stamp that I had issued in 18 whenever um, was was only worth at the time like six to ten quid. But there were other ones with slight different perforations or whatever other details that were worth like thousands. So yeah, it was a, yeah. I'm, I'm literally I've just gone on to um, I've just gone on to eBay. Well, not even onto eBay. I just googled Penny Red, and it came up with three, the first three that are listed on eBay. First one's twelve hundred pounds. Yeah. The second one is thirty nine thousand five hundred. Wow. 
and the third one's 395 quid. Yeah. So they have um, obviously varying values, yeah. varying prices. So I imagine, obviously, every year, more and more I get, get lost or destroyed or stolen. Um, yeah. So the, the value would have gone up. So if I still had those, like we're talking not, what, nearly 30 years later, that could be mm. the probably, I don't know, the middle, the middle value one potentially yeah. there, at least 100. So. Mm. Well, it says uh, even the, the there's an article in the mirror uh, that's a little bit older from 2017. It says the penny red, the most expensive stamp Stanley Gibbons has sold, is a British penny red stamp, and it sold for 550 grand. A penny red now is the most expensive. The, the, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that was a one-off thing that yeah. he it must have been that. something rare because the penny black yeah. again. Um, similar sort of thing where it has variance in prices, but the, that was like the bad boy. That was like the, the one you might need to try and get hold of. Because even then, I think a penny black was worth like a thousand pounds for the crappiest one going up. All right, you, I'm geeking out you do realise, you, you just said that was the bad boy stamp. <laughs> that was the bad boy stamp, you know, you get me, bro. That, stamp was, that stamp was lit, yeah? All right. Um, so yeah, obviously there are inherent risks real potential rewards to everything and then there's generally a, a kind of consistent thing that the more risk you're willing to take the mm -hmm. greater your potential re rewards obviously when you talk about risk you're talking about the, p the potential for you to lose money um so so let's let's jump on to, to the stock market proper now yeah yeah so f for for sake of explanation right the, the FTSE for one, 100, for example, is a platform that other companies use to trade shares, right? Yeah. If we're talking about shares, like if, if you want to think of shares as anything, think of it as lending money to a company that they are never going to pay you. They're never going to pay you back the original amount of money that you lent them. So you lend them £100 and they say, okay, because you lent us £100, we'll pay you £6 interest every year. So you're getting six percent, right? Yeah. But, but we're not going to pay you back that hundred pounds. If you ever want to get your hundred pounds back, you can sell that that certificate that of of ownership in this loan. You can sell that onto someone else. So I could sell it to you. I could get my hundred pounds back after getting six pounds for two or three years. So I'd I'd be on eighteen quid profit, for example, um, after those three years, and I've got my hundred pounds back. My my initial investment. And now you own that stock and, and you can do the same thing. The The only thing is, obviously, that certificate, the value of that certificate will change. You can own one share, yeah. but the value of that share will change depending on the performance of the company. And the reason why it will change depending on the performance of the company is because how much the company pays you on that ownership of that share depends on how well they're performing. So if they're performing very well, instead of getting instead of getting six pounds at the end of the year, you might get twelve pounds or fifteen pounds or whatever. If they're performing badly, you might get fuck all. Right. Um, there there are certain companies out there that don't ever really pay dividends on shares. I think Amazon's one of them, isn't it? Isn't it? You've got have you got Amazon shares then? Um, I haven't them on there. Okay, but I'm pretty sure they don't pay dividends. Okay. Um, but they they have a decent growth rate. Yeah. So. Most, yeah. Like a lot of people still buy Amazon just for the potential increase in the the share price. Yeah. 
Um, now, the, the risk involved with shares comes, especially people see it as the risk is times like this, but right now is not the risk time. Right now is the reward time. I'll explain to you. You could have bought, let's say, for example, you, you, you listen to President Donald Trump and he goes, look what I've done for the economy. Look what I've done for the stock market. It's all at an all-time high. Now, if you go back like six, eight months, the, the British stock markets, the FTSE, the American stock markets, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, they're, they're, they're all quite high. Right? They're, they're hovering quite high. If you look now, the, the FTSE compared to where it was, in fact, let me just, let me just bring up some, some market data so that I'm actually quoting specifics and not just kind of fluking it. Um, so I open up this app, market data, FTSE 100 for the last year. Uh, let's do, yeah, let's just do the last year. Okay, so if we look back at, let's say, the, the, the 27th of December, 2019, the FTSE 100 was sitting at six, uh, 7,644 points. And don't worry about what that actually means or what's that, what that's worth, but but let's just just have it like this. Um, back on the nineteenth of March, which was not that long ago, the FTSE was f sitting at five thousand one hundred and fifty-one. So I don't know then how how good your math to work out what that is. To me, that sounds like a third. So that again. So from seven and a half thousand points mm -hmm. down to five thousand points, that sounds like it's lost a third of its value, right? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're looking at if you'd have bought shares, let's say, let's say, because you can actually buy, um, you can buy into a fund that will track shares as well. I don't want to go too much into like the technicalities of what you can and can't do with shares because it's really boring and for most people it's not that important I'll, I'll go through a little bit of it in a minute but just to give you an example you can you can put your money into a tracker fund a tracker fund buys only shares in the FTSE 100 and it and it will it will link directly to the FTSE 100 so if you put 100 pounds in and the FTSE goes up by five percent you will get a five percent increase in the value of your money because it tracks that entire fund Okay. So, so if you bought shares, uh, if you bought money or you put money, sorry, into a tracker fund back in uh, November, December time, you will have right now be sitting at a thirty percent loss if you sell them. If you sell them, if you put a hundred pounds into that fund now and wait for it to recover, not only will you not suffer that loss. From losing the the hundred the thirty percent that you lost initially, you'll make thirty percent on the investment that you're putting in now. So, rather than being back at square one in six months' time when the market recovers, you'll be up thirty percent, which is where you would have much. In fact, let's be real: no one's expecting to make thirty percent off the fucking footsie in six months. It's not a market that that grows that much in in that short space of time. So, historically. And and this will not change. In times of financial hardship, in times of recession or just general bad news, the value of companies or markets drops drastically, which is the best time to invest. Mm -hmm. 
Um, in fact, uh, I'd asked, the, there's a couple of people that I spoke to uh, before we did this podcast and I asked them if they had any questions. And one of them was asking me, like, the, you know, the key question is right now, is right now a good time to invest? To which I say this, I was in a position to buy a house. I've backed out of buying that house. If I just think about the financial reasons for buying the house, the house is going to lose 5% of its value to 10% of its value over the next year or so. So even if even if I was still going to buy that house, I could just say, I'll just put it on hold for now. I'll say no to it. If it's still on the market, great. If not, I'll find another house that's maybe even nicer for the same price. Or if that house is still on the market, the sellers are going to be even keener to sell. They'll accept an even lower market because the overall market has dropped. So that it makes no sense to buy a house right now. The value of it's going to, like, if you're going to buy a house, you buy a house in six months. If, it, let's assume, let's assume that we manage to get over this coronavirus thing in the next six months, that is. Um, so the, the value of house price is going to be pretty shit. However, the value of share prices is already shit. So if you now invest in in the, the FTSE 100 or, or certain companies, you're looking at a much greater potential for growth. And and the the great thing is people don't do this. Like it's I say it's great. It's great because people panic, they sell their shares and it drives down the price of the shares. Um, yeah, exactly that. Uh, so so what happens is the common man, the common person who is emotional about their investment, that's something you mentioned earlier, Dan, that you don't want to be emotional. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yes, then he knows. Yeah. Um, is that if you're, if you're emotional about money that you invest, it's not going to be a good investment. You're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes. So you're much better if you can kind of disassociate yourself with that a little bit. Um, the the ideal time to buy is at times like this. The safest way to do it is to buy money in funds. However, I tend to buy money. Uh, I buy money. I tend to buy shares or put money into specific companies. And this is where I'll, I'll get onto like my my little hot tips thing here. Yeah, is there's there's only a couple of reasons why I would buy shares in a com in a company. The first marker is that they have to be down. Like they have to have the, the value of the company has to be much lower than it normally is. Okay. If it's if it's not if it's not down, I'm not buying it. If if a company like Apple have released a new iPhone and the share price is at an all time high, I'm not then going to buy shares in them, hoping that it carries on in an upward trajectory. What comes up must go down. What goes down must come up. Now, once I've identified a company that has lost money, and let me just. Um, I'll give an example, right? This is a company that I've just bought shares in and in fact is lost money since I've bought the shares in it. And that means that I will be buying more shares in that company. So this company is called Megit. Uh, on the FTSE 100, if you search MGGT, um, this company, their current share price is £2.18 per share in... Just get the date on the fifteenth of January. 
the share price was 694 pence so six pounds and 94 or even six pounds 97 is i think the highest that they reached um and the lowest that they were last year was around five pounds so so right now they are more than 50 percent down on their normal price and what, what why do is they that do? Hmm? what do they do megit are uh aviation engineering company they supply parts to um uh okay. aircraft uh companies like boeing and, and stuff like that okay. um so they've uh obviously like the the travel industry has taken a big hit during this coronavirus situation a lot of flights have been grounded therefore a lot of airlines are not looking to buy new airplanes which has fucked them over yeah wow. sorry yeah just so so oh you're looking at that now Daniel. yeah it's, it's looking like it's fallen off a cliff right it does yeah yeah Flipping now out. here's the thing here's the thing because the travel ban is not being lifted anytime soon the share the share price of this company may very well continue to drop however within three to six months of the travel ban getting lifted there's going to be a, a a big big boost in that and yeah. and here's the other thing to think about same way like you're if you leave your car sat on the driveway for a long period of time when you come back to drive it again you'll notice like there'll be lots of problems with it because cars are not designed to sit cold for a long period of time airplanes are the same once you leave them sat they sit and they start to rust you start to get issues yada 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 so even this company will start to have orders once the airline industry starts to open back up again. Maybe they won't initially get a lot of orders for um, for, for new aircraft parts for the purpose of building new aircraft, but for the purpose of repairs and stuff like that, they will. And even just the, the general public perception, as soon as they announce that they're like back open for business, that will create a massive boost in the share price yeah. so in terms of like a medium to long term thing strictly speaking i'm not allowed to recommend them i'm not recommending that anyone buys these shares particularly because for all i fucking know their ceo could come in on monday morning and quit which will have a disastrous effect on the share price yeah i don't i don't, I don't know what's happening with this company i didn't do that much research into them all I did was I, I kind of followed my normal principles, which I'll get back to right now. So first thing, company has to have lost money. This company, Megit, they fall into that category, yeah? Yeah. Second thing is that they need to be a big enough company that I am not worried about them going bankrupt. Now, generally speaking, most companies on the FTSE 100 are big enough that even a 50% decrease in the value of their share price isn't going to kill them. So they've ticked that box for me. Um, the third thing is I need to know that whatever has caused the value of that share to go down is not something that's going to cripple the company for years or put it in a position to potentially go bankrupt. Now, a good example was um, Elon Musk went on the Joe Rogan experience and this thing went round online saying, like just after, because the share price of Tesla dropped 
significantly just after that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people were saying, oh, the share price dropped because he went on this podcast and he smoked weed on the podcast and, you know, shareholders didn't like that. So a lot of them were worried about the image of the company and therefore they sold their shares in the company. But that's not actually the case. Do you, do you ever remember hearing anything about that, Dan, or do you know what actually happened? I can't remember what happened, but I do remember hearing about that. Right, so all that you heard was the share price went down because he smoked weed, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, what actually happened was uh, one of the finance directors that had just been appointed quit within a month. Ah. And that's like, huh, why would the why would a finance director quit within a month? There must be something that they're really not comfortable with. Maybe that's why that um so 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 maybe we can't trust that this company is gonna do well long term. Um there there was an, another incident that happened not too long after that, and that was that Elon Musk went public and said that he was gonna um buy back point? some of the shares or something like that yeah. at at a price of four twenty a share. I remember that, yeah. Um, and what happened was the um, the regulatory board in the United States uh, basically said that he had broken their rules, and as such, he had to like sacrifice his position. I think I can't remember whether or not it was as CEO or as one of the people on the board of chair or on the board of directors or whatever, but. Obviously, that that happened, and that meant that the the share price again took a little hit. Yeah. But but if you go online and look at the share price of Tesla, it's taking these little hits, and then it's come straight back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Tesla's is one of these companies that financial analysts keep predicting that the value of it's going to fall through the floor, but it keeps on shooting on uh, and shooting up. So, they're they're my principles, right? It has to be a company that's you know, had a big hit in the in the, the share price. Uh, the reason for the big hit in the share price is not something that's that's going to be a long term thing. Um, and they need to be a big enough company that I'm not worried about them going out of business. That's all the research I do. Okay. I don't do anything else, and that takes me five minutes, not even. Okay. Because realistically, like let's say this company Mega, right? Yeah. I just Googled them okay. and it came up, you know, Megat suffers huge losses as, you know, demand for air par- aircraft parts and whatnot falls to an all-time low um, and that's it. Now, after after buying those shares, the share price actually went up. At one point, it was up by like 6 or 7%, so I could have sold the shares and still made money, but I decided not to. I decided, you know what, even if it goes down, I'll just buy some more. It's fine. This is a more medium to long term investment. I'll be all right. Okay. So now that we've identified when to buy shares, i.e., now, fucking now, <laughs> as long as you, as long as you're not in a financial position where it's going to kill you, um, you got to think about when you're going to sell them. And there's a simple rule, right? Make money. Okay. Don't sell don't sell shares unless you're going to make money on them. That's it. And you you have to you have to understand like let's say you want to buy shares in one company for a hundred pounds, okay, that's fine. But you're going to get charged a trading fee on the front end and on the back end, and that's a fixed price. It's normally twelve pounds fifty each end, which means 
you've then already you need to make 25% just to get your initial money back. If you're getting charged £12.50 on £1,000, obviously that's a much smaller percentage. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to have as much of an increase in, in overall price. So if you've got, let's say, this mega company that I bought shares in, they've gone down by nearly, uh, I think it's like nearly 10%, actually, they've gone down by since I bought the shares. And I, will, I could kick myself and be like, oh, you know, I bought too early, I should have done this, I should have done that. But it's fine. Because instead of you know getting getting paranoid about it or worrying about it, all I'm going to do is on Monday morning I'm going to put some more money into that company. And guess what? If everyone did that, the share price would go up. Yeah, true. <laughs> if everyone just went, oh fuck it, these are so cheap. I'm just going to buy their shares. It'd be like, oh, there's a huge demand for these shares. What do people know that we don't know? I don't know, but let's jump on the bandwagon and buy them as well. Next thing you know, the price is going up through the uh, going up through the ceiling again. Um, so yeah, so there that, that's my thing about like when to sell. Um, the only other thing is that um, people get worried about uh, tax implications as well. Yeah. Unless you're making huge sums of money off selling shares, you don't really need to worry about it. You can use your capital gains tax allowance, which is, I think, right now it's ten and a half grand a year. Um, it hasn't changed much for a few years, if if I am correct. So you can you can write off your losses on uh, with your CGT allowance, um, and it's not. Um, let's say let's say for example, you you buy shares for a hundred pounds, you sell them for a hundred and ten. There you go. You you have to declare that you made ten pounds. It's not you don't have to declare that you made one hundred and ten. Some people get a little bit worried, um, but it's it's always the cost of buying the asset minus sorry, the sale the sale of the asset minus the cost of the asset minus anything that you had to spend on it to even what you had to spend to help improve its value or upkeep it. Um, so yes, yeah, so you don't really need to worry about tax implications. And and the big point I want to make here as well is this. 99% of people own shares. They just don't think about it. Okay, If you have a company pension, you have shares. It's as simple as that. Now, you can actually contact your company pension provider and ask them where your money's invested. And you can ask them to move it as well. A lot of them have low risk, medium risk, and high risk funds. And by moving, let's say, if you're in your 20s or 30s, it makes more sense for you to move to a high risk fund um, so that your potential for returns is greater. And then as time goes on and you get closer and closer to your uh, date of drawing on that money, you'd want to make sure that your money's moving to safer and safer assets so they're less volatile, the value of them doesn't go up and down as much. And you kind of know what you're getting. You might not be in a position to make as much money off them, but at least you know exactly what you're getting. Does that all kind of make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's good right. stuff. So, so I did, some people, uh, I did get a couple of other questions before I go any further with shares that I wanted to go through. So... One question that I got was how to research on a company from scratch. What does what does the ten minutes? Because I normally say to people, don't spend any more than ten minutes, um, which I think I kind of covered off already. So we're cool on that. Uh, companies to absolutely avoid. Companies to avoid 
are be careful breathing company. into the mic sorry I'm, I'm breathing heavy as well because I'm a pervert <laughs> <It's> <laughs> um, the difference that makes me can actually see on the screen yeah, companies to avoid, generally speaking, are companies that haven't been established for very long. Uh, obviously, nine nine out of ten like startup companies fail, and then the ones that do make it five years, like I think only two out of ten of those actually make it the next five years. So that's kind of that, that's a big no no. Uh, the only other companies that I'd say to them to avoid are ones that don't line up with your ethical values so just trying to think of an example Mon, was it if Mon, you, Monsano Mon, what's that one there? Monsanto, Monsanto yeah that's the one um, I didn't even know you could buy shares in Monsanto oh, I, I thought sure. they were like, uh, I, just, I just said that as a company that I know a lot of people hate oh okay <laughs> fair enough even let's say you're against animal testing don't buy shares in, in companies that test on animals, and I guess that's a good enough example, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good so example. yeah, keep keep to stuff that that fits in line with your with your morals. Um, that's that's a big one. Foreign markets, I generally try to stay away from, especially because the time difference could mean, <clears throat> let's say, the government releases some new law or some new policy that you you weren't keeping up with, and while you're asleep the market shifts and suddenly your investment loses a ton of money. And because it's a, a, a legal change, most likely that that law is not going to change back anytime soon. So it will take you a long time to recoup your money if you can ever recoup it. So generally I say to stick to um, companies that are in the country that you live in. And... I think that's about it. Generally, for, for me personally, I don't really like to invest in banks. Like right now, I just don't feel like it's a good time. Um, there are There's always going to be companies that, that can make money, um, but finding the right one can be quite hard. Um, another question I've got is, uh, what is a red flag for go or no go? I'm guessing when that person was asking, they're talking about sell or don't sell or buy or don't buy. The, the only time I would ever – so so when it comes to selling, it's just a case of you need to be happy that you've made enough money off that trade to achieve your goal. So like I could sell the shares in BP right now that I hold that all, all have made me 5%, and that's, that's enough to beat inflation. That's enough to beat uh, anything that I'm going to get off a savings account. But – BP generally pays like nearly 10% dividends, so I think I've got the potential to get more out of them. Uh, dividends is that that interest payment, basically. Uh, they just don't call it div they don't call it interest because it's not calculated on, on interest; it's calculated on their performance. Um, and uh, yeah, let me just double check the the questions that were asked. Bloody hell. Um, what is a high risk worth taking and not worth taking for healthy investors? And by healthy, I mean modest ones. Okay. That's a bit of a, a contradictory question, right? Just because if you're looking for a modest return, you're not really looking for high risk. Yeah, so, I agree. So normally, 
I would only say to invest in something that has the potential for high risk if you know something about that particular industry. Um, and Denny, you've got a little bit of experience on that, no? Yeah, so I think I mentioned it briefly last episode, but that's one of the things, and it's, it's, it's often a tip I would give people, like I'm in the tech industry, so I feel safer, um, particularly starting out, um, particularly when I was starting out, investing in companies i have a better understanding and just an industry i have an understanding of so for example if you're into gaming for example um you'll know that sony are going to be releasing the playstation 5 or planning to release the playstation 5 this year so when that was announced for example um that could potentially coming off the back of the successful very very successful playstation 4 um they've got momentum so so, so when that announcement was made that could have potentially been uh, a spike in their um in their um stock market price um now and if you're following that because you're you're following the industry now um there's the coronavirus that's held up a lot of um manufacturing in in china um so now there's a potential that their um release date their planned holiday 2020 release date is going to slip so that's gonna hit um that's gonna make their share price potentially take a hit now if you're into gaming you're going to be reading this stuff every day if you're into cars you'll probably have Again, if you're into automotive, you'll probably have a similar understanding of, of uh, things being released and what, what some of the companies are doing. So that's an example of gaming. So that's just from from um, from uh, looking sort of 12 months, I've got a rough idea just because I'm into it of what Sony are going to be doing. Um, I know when all their big games are being released and the, the general sort of things that are going to um spike that are going to basically increase their value and potentially knock their value so again that again sort of you you just you would just feel more comfortable um because it's an industry that you know rather than um dabbling in things you're not as you know you don't have as 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 good an understanding of that's one of the things i don't obviously now i've been doing it a little while so i start looking at other stuff but um that was my first thing and on top of that tech for quite a long time now has been um on a on a bit of a ball run as they like to call it um so there's 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 always good money to be made as an example one of the things with tech is um and again if you're if you're a follower you like read tech like tech crunch um and certain blogs you'll 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 see a lot of um there's a lot of activity going on so for example apple um, with the iPhone um, being one of their biggest, um, that's that's their biggest money money maker. Um, production's been affected in China again by COVID nineteen. That's a that's a that's a technology company. So you can imagine Apple shares are going to go down. Um, whereas if you think of what we've been hearing all over the news is about this new tech company uh, called Zoom. Um, a lot of people wouldn't have heard of Zoom before this, but now because we're being forced to stay at home, Zoom subscriptions, Zoom usage has gone through the roof. So their share value has gone up. The same as Netflix, because people are at home, because people are watching TV, because people are a bit more bored, more people are using Netflix. 
uh, more people listening to the radio so all of this kind of stuff and again um, while the coronavirus wasn't something you could necessarily predict quite early on when I started hearing a little bit of a buzz about Zoom and thought oh shit that makes perfect sense and there was another one actually that it happened to and I kind of missed the wave on that and then as soon as I started hearing a couple of little things about Zoom I was like shit that makes sense people are going to start using that um, I put money on Zoom and I also put money on a couple of other similar um, companies uh, that provide a similar sort of service and if you've been following the news in fact some some of this stuff becomes sort of pop news um so zoom maybe two months ago because i'm into tech i would have known about it but now everyone knows about zoom because it's on the news and there was a thing with um bobby johnson using it and taking a picture of him using that to have a cabinet meeting and things like that um, and it gets that exposure which means more people start using it and it becomes a, a very very big and an established company and you have that sort of snowball effect but that's just one of the things I, I say to people um just look at if you're familiar or you're comfortable with a certain industry um that's always a good place to sort of start and uh, to give you guys an example of uh kind of zoom's performance uh on the 23rd of january oh, on the 23rd of december last year zoom shares were 66 dollars a share and if I can get to it, the current or, or the their peak uh, on the 23rd of March was $160. Yeah, so that's nearly so, 200%. Uh, yeah, over, that's, that's, 200%. That's yeah. That is a, a decent investment to make, uh, If obviously, if you can foresee it. Now, if you're sitting there going, okay, well, I've, I've missed the boat on, uh, on, on buying companies like that. Um, things to, to bear in mind is that what's happening now obviously does have an impact on what happens in the future. So, um, as I mentioned before, obviously, you know, companies like uh, airline companies, stuff like that, right now it's all doom and gloom. But once the recovery happens and people start to get back on their feet, they're gonna, people are gonna want to go on holiday. Oh, I can't get, wait to get out of this fucking country. Then he's gonna book like, 17 flights like the day the day the travel ban gets lifted you will find denny standing at heathrow airport just asking for whatever he can get but on. listen this is the thing this is the thing though because i'm applying the same thing to my holidays remember i said i buy them in the cheap time in january but i'm doing the same thing i'm looking now because they're desperate right now they're trying to get they still want people to book in advance because it gives them cash flow now so if I book and I have to pay £300 deposit, they get that £300 now. And holidays I've had to cancel. So I've had to cancel two holidays because of this. And they've offered me vouchers for me to use later on. So that means they keep the money. But they've also offered me loads as well. So I'm effectively getting my holiday. I'm using the downtime um, to get to, to purchase and I end up getting more value for it. So for example, everything that BA is selling at the moment, they're giving you the option to, uh, they basically they're giving you free flexi dates, which normally, if you look at the price of a flight and you want a flexible flight, you can potentially be paying double your ticket price, sometimes even more to get a flexible ticket flight. And that means basically you can change it. I think it's up to 24 hours and just book on any, uh, another flight basically saying, nah, I'm, I'm late for that or um, no I don't want to wake up in the morning for that but me one for the evening and normally as I said so that's what they did at the moment so um, 
yeah similar similar sort of thing it's a downtime but because they they want to keep ticking over um it, it, it's a potential buy opportunity have, have you um have you bought any uh holidays since and noticed that they're cheaper um i have i've been looking um and um i've booked i've booked one so far i've only booked one but that's okay. for that's for um i've booked it quite far in advance fair enough yeah um so uh, another thing to consider is that whilst uh the the consensus among all companies is that the you know the share price has gone down some some things are being bought at, at an exponential rate that maybe you don't pick up on right now. So like Netflix, the share price went up because the subscriptions went up and that's something that they can monitor like every single day. Mm -hmm. There are, there are other like more tangible assets that let's say, for example, if there's a, I, I don't even know if there's a company that's listed on, on the stock exchange. Um, and I'm not even going to waste my time looking, but let's just say that, the company wall or well whatever it is you know the the company that make clippers oh yeah w h a w a h l a h l yeah. yeah i don't know how to say you are I, I don't know if they're a publicly traded company but if they are they'd be a good one to buy uh -huh, because yeah. they are out of stock of everything right now because yeah. everyone's cutting their hair at home so if you go onto the boots website you cannot buy like 90 percent of their their trimmers you can't or their clippers sorry you just can't get them um, and they're like that's kind of under the radar thing, right? So that, that's just something to give you an idea. Um, other companies like fitness equipment companies. Yeah. Um, for me, this is a great time because I have a, a home gym. All the equipment that I've got, I have bought used. Um, like I've I've got a, a leg machine that cost about two grand. I got it off someone that was desperate to sell it. I, I give them a hundred pound for it. Um, and I didn't have to haggle them. Um, they literally, it was, they listed it for 150 and told me if I could come pick it up the next day that I could have it for 100. Okay. Um, so, so, so for me, I'm sitting there going, okay, I buy like weight weights and fitness equipment. I know that in three months' time, Facebook Marketplace, Gumtree, eBay is all going to be flooded with people selling off their home gym gear because they're going to go back to the gym. Yeah. And likewise, companies like gyms that are currently closed, their share price is going to be rock bottom. The issue you've got is you just need to, you need to time it right. Yeah? If you can if you can buy shares in like I don't know fucking uh, what's that higher end company? Not Nuffield. Yeah, like Nuffield or Lloyd's. Yeah. Let's say you could buy shares in them, for example. If the the best time to buy those shares is the day before the government releases the 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 travel ban the 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 lockdown right because you know that their share price is pretty is definitely hit rock bottom it can't get any worse people are going to come back they're going to start paying the gym subscriptions that company is going to get back on track pretty quickly so just think about like looking around look around you look at the things that you spend your money on look at the the things that you interact with. And you can make decent returns on that. Otherwise, just put money into a fund. That way someone else manages it for you and stuff like that. Um, 
That was a long answer to that question. And I have one more question that was asked. And that is, if you can see that the price is dropping significantly and it is doing so consistently, is this the time to give up and sell? As in, when do you know we can't expect it to rise again? Can I answer that quickly? Go on then. So could you just turn your video off quickly? Oh, let's come back. Um, can I just answer that quickly? Um, do it, do it. I purchased Royal Mail shares. And I probably, under, whose, under whose advice, Danny? I kept them way too long. Yeah. I've still got them. Um, but I think they they started at 370. After a couple of days, yeah. there was a mad rush and they peaked. At, they went up to like four something. Um, just be careful of the mic. Um, and then um, so I think they peaked at about six something. So nearly double. Um, at the moment, they're at like one something. So about half the value they started at. So I'm hoping that they uh, they do pick up again at some point. I'm not expecting it anytime soon. But, um, okay, but they but they give you a twenty percent dividend. The dividend yield is quite high. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so. even if um, even if you kept them, mm. you know again it will take you a little bit longer because the price has dropped eventually you're going to get your money back at yeah. the very least yeah all right now um so they were at 631 11th of may 2018 and they're currently at 128 uh 126 sorry now the thing is then i actually remember sitting in my car in leatherhead advising you to register for the ipo i did i did yeah yeah i've done it at the time yeah. i remember yeah yeah and and you were like oh, how much shall i put in and i said i think there's a limit yeah on how much you can how much you can buy so just just buy the maximum limit now and i and i also said to you get rid of them quick yeah because <laughs> yeah. the price will go up quick so 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 part of it is like if you if you okay let, let, let me ask any a question why didn't you sell them quickly then? Um, okay, so I'll be honest. There was an option that you had to tick in order to be able to do so. And I had no idea. <laughs> and I called up and they explained it to me and I kind of kicked off and um, saw a couple of mates um, bearing the fruits of their reading the instructions properly. But I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something based that you were supposed to tick or give consent with regards to being able to sell within a certain amount of time, and I hadn't done it, so I wasn't able to. It was some oh weird God. thing. Um, okay. And then since then, to tell the truth, if I'm being totally honest, the amount, I occasionally um, have a look at the share prices, um, when it was good, but, but because it's not a significant amount, I've kind of ignored it, if that makes oh. sense yeah yeah so so here's the thing when we're talking about investing we normally uh like we try and be as smart as possible right mm. and the smartest way you can invest is to have a diverse portfolio like a spectrum of investments yeah. you have money in cash money in shares money in property uh, maybe an investment into a business obviously it, it depends on where you where you start from because if you start from having a maybe a couple hundred quid 
then you're not going to have that diversity in your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Fine. In which case, the, the minimum rule that you should observe is when you're investing money, invest money that if you lost it all, yes, it would hurt you, but it would not cripple you. Yeah. That is like, that's key, yeah? So you, even in your situation, right, you, you sell, let's say you sold it now, you haven't lost all your money, you've lost half your money. Yeah. Not the end of the world, you'd be a bit annoyed. You could move on, move that money out into somewhere else. Is there a good chance that the share price of that company will go up massively above what you bought it at in the next two years? Probably not. Yeah. Um, will it will it go up enough that you can sell it and say, okay, that combined with what I've made off my dividends, do you know, I'll call it quits? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, and, a, and a lot of it in, in that terms is just try not to be emotional about it. You... Generally speaking, like you, like you bought Royal Mail, Royal Mail aren't going out of business anytime soon. Yeah. So, so you don't have to worry about losing all your money. So that's where, when you're talking about when's a good time to, like, give up and sell, you shouldn't have bought shares in a company that you're gonna have that thought about because they're they're gonna keep doing that badly. So, uh, let's say. I, I wouldn't have, I would have never have bought shares in like Thomas Cook or um what were they called back in there? Was it Lampoli or whatever, you oh, know, like yes, travel agents. Yeah, Lampoli, yeah. I heard right. the time. That's that's my memory kicking in, elephant. Um or but uh, and I I wouldn't put money into like Ryanair or Fly B, but I'd put money into established airlines like Virgin, Qatar, British Airways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I was going to invest money in those com- in those companies, and obviously you need to time it right. So, in terms of uh, when to when to cut out, cut your losses and run. A, you shouldn't have stepped in that situation to begin with. If you'd have done your research properly, that shouldn't be happening. Um, B, just be be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, okay. If if this share price recovers in the next year, am I still going to be happy that I sold them now? Because yeah. if the share price recovers in a year, and you sell them now at a loss, most likely you're going to be pretty annoyed with yourself. Yeah. However, are you going to be comfortable sitting on them for the next year, looking at that money in a negative? Again, about money, but it is what it is. I guess you you kind of you have to. You have to try as much as you can to distance yourself from it. Yeah, the, that's what I agree. And the the thing is, if you if you're looking at money for what it is, that old saying "time is money" is legit. It's the most legit saying there is because your your money is literally your time. Like you've put in your time and effort to uh, to to give someone else productivity. And they've transferred your productivity into a tangible asset, i.e., you know, money in your account. And if you lose that money, that's you losing the time that you spent putting in that effort to to you know put in that productivity. Yeah. So, so in that respect, uh, yeah, just just have have that honest conversation with yourself and, and ask yourself, you know, if if I do this now, fuck it, um, are we? 
are we good for that? Uh, so yeah, in terms of questions I'd ask, actually that was all of them. Uh, identifying opportunities I've done. I was going to do some stuff on being self-employed, but you know what? I think you could pretty much dedicate one whole podcast to like being self-employed. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll skip that one. Uh, ISA allowance, tax, and shares, uh, or the taxation. So, so taxation on its own again is like a huge subject, but I'll just give like a very brief summary. Um, you're going to have to pay tax on on any way that you make money, right? The government don't like people making money without them getting a cut. They are greedy bastards. That's the nicest way that I can say it. Um, so obviously you work, you get taxed on that. Your savings, you get taxed on that. Your investments, you get taxed on that. You bloody, you know, you, you want to spend money, well, you get taxed on that. That's what VAT is. And then, um, you know, you, uh, you die, you get taxed on that. That's inheritance tax. There is, there is no way of avoiding taxes, which brings me back to another old saying, there are only two certainties in life death and taxes um but in terms of thinking about what you can do obviously if you put your money into a pension you you generally pay money in gross so if you want to pay uh let's say you want 100 pounds in your pension pot you you pay 20 percent less than that into your pension pot and they they gross it up right the, the government does that for you you kind of does it for you um so, so there, there's like tax efficiency there. You can put the, the money that you've now earned and been paid into an ISA, which you will not get taxed on. So when you uh, get paid from your bank uh, interest, that money is paid after they've paid the government their cut. <sighs> Apologies. <sighs> We're getting into 1am territory here. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm an old man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the... The tax thing, really, for, for the vast majority of people, you don't need to worry about it. Even tax on trading, because when you buy and sell shares, you can use a capital gains allowance, which is like 10 grand a year. Uh, so unless you're making 10 grand profit on shares plus, you don't really need to worry about it, which, again, you go back to uh, property as another in investment. Uh, you don't get an allowance on what you can earn in terms of income from property. That's that's straight, you know, whatever you make monthly off your off your house, that's getting taxed. And unfortunately, the way they've changed the law now, you get taxed on all of your rental income, not on your rental income minus your mortgage. Um, which I don't know. Were you still? Did you still have your property when that rule changed, or when did that come in? I don't uh, think so. Last tax year, I think. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Okay. So, yeah, so let's say um, previously people would go, okay, I've got a, a house that I get a grand a month rent for, but I pay a £500 a mortgage to, so I only have to declare that I'm earning £500. Whereas now you have to declare the whole thousand and you pay tax on the whole thousand. Mm. Um, so that's, that's an annoyance in itself. Whereas with shares, and this is not to like blow the trumpet of shares too much, but with shares, um, the, the 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 tax that you you pay kind of is is minimal if anything because of your capital gains tax allowance that you can write it off um 
again, I could you could go into bloody tax avoidance uh, for hours and hours, but it's a it's a really boring fucking topic, so I'm not going to bore anyone with that. The last thing, just to skip over, uh, just before we cut out or, or round off, is uh, pensions and inheritance tax. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff for the the later part of your life, which at the beginning I mentioned, obviously. Um, you've got short-term, medium-term, long-term. With pensions, the, the thing to bear in mind is that you're, it's now like a, a requirement if you're working for a, a company in the UK. I think they have to, I think they only need to have three or five employees. I can't remember the exact number, but it's pretty low. They have to offer you a, a pension. And if you pay into it, they have to pay into it as well. And that's a really good way. Like when when I mentioned earlier that figure of like needing three hundred and forty grand, if I was working for a private company, and you know, let's say I put in three percent and they match it, give me three percent as well. That's a really good way of trying to get towards that figure that you need to, to be able to survive in retirement. Yeah. Um, the only other things that I'll mention about that is you can talk to your pension provider and ask them where they're investing your money and make sure that it lines up with what you want it to do, i.e. when you're young, you put the money into high risk. Mm-hmm. As you get older, you put it lower risk. And also making sure that it lines up with your ethical standpoints. Um, and a lot of times people move from one company to another and they just leave their company uh, pension where it is. The, the hazard with doing that potentially is that especially if you have a family, if you die and your family don't remember that you have that company pension some other place with some other company that you used to work for and they forget to ask the question, that money is gone forever. So it makes a lot of sense. I know a few people who they've had multiple jobs in multiple different pages, places. They've got lots and lots of small pensions just to, to go to a private pension company or to a, a financial advisor and get them to merge all of those pensions, they can manage it and merge them all into one. Yeah. Um, and then inheritance tax. I was just going to say, with regards go on. to inheritance tax, um, and just with regards to exactly what you're saying with regards to making sure you don't leave things um, and in the current climate, um, with regards to sort of wills and that kind of stuff in tax planning, I could probably, we could probably do an episode on that um, uh, with uh, someone we both know and yeah. um, like really go into that because I've been speaking to them lately and they've been saying, and there's some just, again, how things are, there's some really good examples, sort of case studies of the sort of, that having to like basically doing that last minute and the extra hassle it causes when something unexpected, if you're trying to get a will, if you are trying to sort out finances, if you are trying to sort out this stuff while going, while grieving, while um, trying to also pay the unexpected cost of a funeral and all of this sort of stuff, that sort of planning and stuff around that, again, I think is a close relative of um, just standard finances as well. Because it's also how the state of of finance, the financial state, you 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 kind of leave others in so yeah feel free to think but i'm just saying we i definitely we could obviously get out of tyler and um yeah i'll tell you what then i will just the only little nugget i'll give on this episode 
a very common misconception that I used to come across while I was working in, in the bank was that I would talk to people that clearly had inheritance tax liabilities and they would say, oh, no, I don't have an inheritance tax liability, at which point I'm like, okay, okay, you have a trust, you've got something set up. And they go, no, I've done a will. That means I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, I don't have to pay inheritance tax, right? And oh. I say, no, you fucking moron. <laughs> uh, all a will does, just and just for anyone else. I apologise if you thought that as well, and I'm calling you a moron. Because at, at the time I thought it was blindingly obvious. But what happens when you die is you have an estate. And your estate has assets and it has liabilities. You have to use the assets to pay the liabilities and whatever remains gets distributed to whoever you want it to in your will. Prior to your estate being settled, i.e. there being any debts cleared, your will don't mean shit. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's a, a very important thing to know is that having a will does not negate inheritance tax in any way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, so I will kind of we'll leave that uh, at that for now. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll come back and do a uh, do an episode on on self-employed like things to think about, yeah. things to watch out for, yeah, being self-employed be kind of hints and tips, and then we can good. do another one on estate planning and um, yeah, and inheritance tax planning and wills and probate and stuff like that. Yeah, cool. that'll be good. All right. In which case, I think I think we should have at this point given enough information. Definitely to, 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 to help people. the majority of people. Yeah, help to help people and just get people talking and and I think importantly as well, when if or hopefully when, um, they do speak to a tax uh sorry not a tax advisor a financial um planner or anything like that, they kind of know the questions to sort of be asking. They sort of know what you know the basis to sort of be covering because that's what I found. Yeah. That's what I found like. When I first started speaking to you about that kind of stuff, it helped me. I went to a financial um, plan at my bank. Originally, at the time, I was trying to get a business loan. Um, they asked me to speak to someone, and it just gave me such a like um, a head start. I don't know if that's the right term. But it just allowed me to ask specific questions that I actually... I wasn't going in there like, oh, okay, I don't know that. Or, oh, could you just tell me about this? I was able to go in there and lead the conversation and say, well, I want to find out about this. I want this. I want this. Do you know? Do you see what I mean? It kind of, yeah. obviously they, not to say I knew more than them, but I could go in kind of locked and loaded rather than um, them just be able to sell me. And not to say they would, but, you know, to sell me whatever they, they want to sell me. I had a good understanding of what I actually was going there for. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can at least give people that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. I think also like when you're in that situation, you feel more confident, yeah. which makes them feel more confident in trusting that you're actually like able to fulfill your end of the deal as well. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. So if we if we end kind of bring it around to we'll do our throwbacks and stuff. Just yeah. out of curiosity, what's, what's our time count, man? I feel like we were talking for like 17 um, hours. <laughs> it's going to be about two hours 15, I think. All right, that's got to be a record. That's got to be a record. So hopefully, hopefully you guys made it this far. Uh, and if you did, and, and guys, if you found if you found any part of this useful, if you got some like little nugget of information, share it, man. 
share it. Sharing is caring. And as much as, you know what, normally I'm saying share this just for the sake of promoting it, I genuinely believe that we, and when I say we, I mean like 98% of the population knows fuck all about finance compared to what we should know. Very true. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll plan out another episode or two because I also – there's a there's some other I can spend about half an hour talking just about um, uh, sorting out your credit score, like w- what to know, how to manage your credit score and stuff like that, which is a fundamental piece of information, especially for younger people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, let's do our throwbacks then. Cool. Let's I'm going to be lazy again, and my throwbacks are going to be very obvious. So my throwback song is going to be. It's all about the money by Major M E J A. Um, that one, do you know that one? And my throwback film is going to be, I did have it locked and loaded. My throwback film is going to be Wall Street, Martin okay. Sheen, Charlie Sheen. No, sorry, Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, and Tom Cruise. So that's me. That's the, the older one, yeah? That's the older one, yeah. Money Keep Never it. Sleeps is now. That's the new one, yeah. Yeah, With, um, fair enough. Shia LaBeouf. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go 50-50 now, yeah? Okay. I'm going to go 50 cent. I get money. I get Same, money, yeah. money. I get yeah. money. And obviously, get rich or die trying. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that, I like that. That's what you've done there. We're all doing that these days, we're all doing that. What was that first song? I Get Money. If I can find the remix. um, Is the remix on there? That's one. Oh, uh, New York, yeah, tune. That's a good shout. Cool. Cool. So you guys can find that if you search for... NGA Podcasts um on spotify we have a spotify playlist with all our throwback tunes cool. and if all you right. want to follow Can us we... oh yeah NGA podcast, you follow NGA podcast on um facebook instagram instagram's our main point of call um and twitter as well do follow us on twitter yeah. if you tweet do you know do you know what guys Let's be real. Yeah, I think Denny was giving me some analytics the other day. We, uh, it turns out a lot of people listening to this podcast, but none of you motherfuckers follow us on Instagram. Yeah, follow, yeah. follow, follow. <laughs> that is true. Um, that is true. Cool. Yeah, cool. All right. I'm Lewis. I'm Denny. And we're out. Peace.